0: Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of dancers, singers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the boards and are, well, Broadway's Backbone. Welcome to episode 85. My special guest is Dale Hensley. So I'm sitting here with Dale Hensley in Hell's Kitchen. And this is a a great apartment that you've been here for... 40 years. That's unbelievable. Since
1: 1979,
0: baby. Wow. And uh, I'm so thrilled that you're doing this for, for many reasons. I want to jump straight to the act two of your life, but I'm not going to. Okay, <laughs> right. because act two involves you. I know, it's just so exciting, but I'm gonna be patient. Okay. I'm gonna ask you uh, where you're from and how you got started. But on Broadway, you did Anything Goes, Guys and Dolls, Sunset Boulevard, La Caja Four, 2004, Drowsy Chaperone, La Caja Four, 2010. And I know off-Broadway, you did Clinton the Musical and probably several other things. I believe you left off
1: Cats. Cats. Cats, the musical. It was not on uh, Playbill. Oh yeah, Cats, uh, 1989 to 1990. Well, which yeah. cat were you? I was Gus the theater cat. Oh. Yeah. The hit, what, song, wait, what song does he sing? Well, he's the one that turns into Growl Tiger and does that opera stuff.
0: Oh, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. And but I also, but that, that track also plays Bustopher Jones in the first act. You know what's funny is I'm pretty sure on the, I saw
0: the, like the first national tour several times, because of course, of it, course. Was, it was Cats. I don't remember, the opera thing is not was not in the tour because of I, the big no, boat. No, correct. So I remember when I first moved to New York and all of a sudden there was, I think the tap dancing cockroaches didn't do the tour as well.
1: Correct. I think they cut that whole section, the whole opera section which is so easy to do, and just leave the sweet little Gus as the theater cat section, just leave that without him going into the flashback of who he was back then.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of shocking the first time I saw it in the Winter Garden. I was like, okay, I've seen this show like four times as a kid, and I remember everything. So that's good to know. Yeah,
1: and you maybe didn't have any idea what was going on at that point? No, even
0: as an adult, I still still didn't. Of course. That's
1: the part I played. (laughs) Yay! Yay. So uh, where are you
0: from, and how did you get started?
1: I'm from a little farm town called Nevada, Missouri, spelled just like the state, but oh. pronounced Nevada. It's about 100 miles south of Kansas City.
0: And you say Missouri? Uh, how do people say it?
1: Uh, I say Missouri, and I think if you're a local, I think they say Missouri. I know I'm Missouri. And I grew up on a farm. I went to a one-room school for four years. Yes, Brad, you're looking at me like you can't be that old, but I am.
0: Like Little House on the Prairie? Like or- Little
1: House on the Prairie. It was rural. It was very rural. It was in the 60s. And there was an outhouse down the hill at the school. And that uh, my first four years I went to that, and then they uh, went, my fifth grade uh, when I went to the fifth grade they busted they closed that school down, and used it to store hay. <laughs> yes, uh, but and then I went to, uh, into the town of like nine thousand people, and uh, that's where I went through through the rest of grade school, junior high, and high school. So I grew up on a farm with no no uh, contact whatsoever of theater of any kind tours. I never, you know, it was, again, it was a small little town. I never, I never saw any live theater until I think maybe I was like in the seventh grade or something. I went to see the high school production of Bye Bye Birdie. And I was just, by the showbiz Wow.
0: Bar. And then that's the show we work together on.
1: That's the show you and I work together on. Yes. That's right. Yes. At, that's right. At
0: Encores with at, yeah. uh, with an unknown man named Casey Nicola. Yeah. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. Yeah. He was the choreographer. Huh.
1: Bless his heart.
0: Bless his heart. So you mentioned yeah. earlier that like, even as a kid you went and had to get manicures for a completely different reason than
1: I'm thinking. Well, I didn't have to. Well, they didn't have <laughs> manicures. And it says, no, I had to keep my fingernails clipped because I milked cows twice a day. And so uh, my fingernails couldn't be long because it would you know it would cut into the cows, into where you're milking from. I had my chores, I had chores that I you know I had to, I had to go into the henhouse and get the eggs. I was terrified of chickens, terrified of chickens. And twice a day I had this big stick. I would go into the henhouse, I would chase all the chickens out of the henhouse. <laughs> I would get the eggs, and then I would open the doors and let them come back in.
0: And they would just naturally run back in.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, they were not And there was always one that was sitting on her nest that wouldn't, she wouldn't leave. She would always, you know, she would always fight me. Oh, they're mean, those chickens. Oh, (laughs) they're mean. (laughs) But yes, twice a day I would milk the cows and gather the eggs. And you have siblings? I have two older sisters. Oh, all right. But I was the only, and and it was a farm. It was a working farm. My my father, you know, my father was a farmer. You know, at one point we had probably like around a thousand acres because he, because we had our own acreage, but he also rented out other farms. To farm those, and and during the summers I would be on a tractor from six in the morning until six at night. It's so not what you would expect. What's right? that? When you look around my apartment, wait a second. No you're a farm kid.
0: Yeah, and how did you go from a farm kid who saw a high school production to Broadway? You know,
1: I think. Well, I discovered I discovered soundtracks when I was maybe in the fourth or fifth grade, I discovered Mary Poppins and West Side Story, the movie soundtrack of West Side Story. And that was a way for me to, you know, I learned the songs very quickly. And because I was on a tractor all day long, it was incredibly boring. And I had nothing better to do. So I would sing. And I always feel that that's how I can, that's how I learned how to sing loud, because I had to sing over the tractor it was discovering those albums and then discovering Bye Bye Birdie and then discovering oh wait I can do these things I can actually escape the not wonderful childhood that I'm having (laughs) yeah I can escape by, by throwing myself into something like that on stage right was
0: it not wonderful because you were on a farm, or was you were you bullied, or I was
1: terribly bullied. I was terribly bullied. I was called sissy all the time. That was that was a, that was a big thing. And my 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 nickname throughout high school, which I can laugh about it now, but it was heartbreaking at the time. My nickname was Miss Dale, and everybody in the high school called me Miss Dale, and it was just cruel and oh, wow. so damaging for uh for an effeminate little farm boy that. And also, don't forget, it's, you know, I entered high school in like 69, I think it was. There are no gay people. Yeah. At all. And it's not until I get to college in 1972 that I see gay people and I go, oh my God, that's what it is. That's what I am. That's, you know, I always felt, if I had an attachment for another guy, I felt it was that I wanted him to be my brother because I didn't have a brother. I, and I thought that's what it was. That's how naive I was. Mm. But, you know, I didn't, have, I didn't have Will and Grace on TV. I didn't have the internet. I didn't have any right. of that stuff. But no, uh, high school was, was rough. It was really rough. And I remember when I was a freshman, I had PE, third hour PE with the FFA boys. And the FFA boys, it was a club called the Future Farmers of America. <laughs> And there was a tough... It was a tough... It was a tough crowd. Yeah. And so that was third hour. And and second hour, second period was study hall. And I could never study. I was so terrified. And I would just like... I would literally sit there and pray that nothing was going to... That nobody was going to be horribly mean to me uh, on third hour. Yeah. So, so... But it's through... So eventually when I found theater... I found a way, I found something I could do that they wouldn't make fun, that people wouldn't make fun of me. Yeah. And that they actually respected that, you know, in, in their own way, they respected that, oh, wow, he got up there and he learned all those lines and he sang those songs and okay. Yeah. Okay. So by the time I graduated, it wasn't as cruel for me there as it was in my, you know, when I was a freshman and a sophomore. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And could you tell whether, I mean, the teachers, I guess they didn't stand up for you or, you know, I mean, did you tell no, your
1: parents? No, one, in fact, one time my eighth grade math teacher, you know, all of this stuff, listen, this is like a therapy session all of a sudden, so it's all, it's <laughs> all coming up. One time my, my eighth grade math teacher threw a trash can at me. I don't remember why. He wanted me to throw something away. Oh, he wanted me to throw something away and I tried to throw it in the dr- trash can and... Of course, I missed because I'm, you know, I'm not a basketball player. I yeah, can't. and so he picked he he like kicked the trash can over towards me and, and he said, "Pansy," and then he said, "Oh, I'm sorry, I meant pansyette." I know, I know. So, so uh, even though the, even though there were there there were people that were so in my corner, and there were teachers that that to this day I thank, you know, encouraging me to to do what I wanted to do. Uh, when i look back on my 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 junior high and high school years it is not with fond memories i have not gone to a class reunion i will not go to a class reunion there are people that i still stay in touch with a right. couple of people but no it was too it was too painful uh, it was too painful so where did you go to college then i went to college it's well at the time it was called Sas- southwest missouri state university it's now called missouri state university but since springfield missouri i had a scholar- I had a theater scholarship scholarship to go there Kathleen Turner was in my class. John Goodman was in my class. It was an amazing group. Wow. It was amazing. And they're still pumping people out, you know, like Deidre Goodwin. I don't know if you know her. Yes. She went to school. There's a lot of Greg Roderick. A lot of people have come out of there. Kyle Dean Massey came out of there. Oh, all right. Yeah. So it was a really, really, really good school. It was a really good art school, uh, even though it was in the Ozarks. It was really good. Yeah. Um, and they did this thing. We uh, Well, tuition there was only $125 a month. Yeah. Oh, but wow. But every spring break, the, uh, the theater department would come to New York City. And for 125 bucks, again, 120, 125 bucks, you got a round-trip bus, one week at the Piccadilly Hotel, which is no longer there. It's basically the parking lot on 45th Street, right next to the where the music box is. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. It's basically, there used to be the Piccadilly, so you got a uh, round trip bus, Piccadilly Hotel for a week, and tickets for five Broadway shows for $125, but back then, Broadway shows were like $9, 9 or $10, yeah, so, uh, so that's how I first, that's how I first got introduced to New York City, is when I was a, a sophomore in college, Oh. and, uh, and came here and fell in love with it, and it's like, that's what I want to do, that's where I want to be. Do you remember the first show you saw? I think it was, the first show I saw was a play, and it was called, oh, God, what was it? I I, want to say Noel Coward in Two Acts, I think it was, and, and like, Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy were in it, I believe. But the first musical that I saw was Pippin. Oh, wow. was with Pippin, with the original, well, uh, John Rubinstein had left, Michael Rupert was in it, and Betty Buckley was no longer there. It was, I can't remember who it was, but... um, yeah, it was the original guests. They were all up there. And Ryan King was up there prancing around. Oh you know, my gosh, yes. yeah. It was amazing, yeah. it was amazing. Did you graduate and just move I here? graduated and moved here uh, with Celia Tackaberry. I don't know if you know her. Yes, or I yeah.
0: did the coconuts off Broadway yeah. with
1: her. Celia and I moved here together August 23rd, 1976. We moved here, we took a train up here together. Didn't know where we were gonna stay. Didn't have any place to stay. Took the train up, took us 24 hours to get here. Got here, called a friend of a friend from Penn Station. They didn't answer. We were like, well, let's just go there. Let's just go and see if we can stay there. And so by the time we got up there, the, the friend of the friend of the friend was at home. And we wound up staying with him for a month. <gasps> yes, a month before we got our own apartment. Beautiful apartment, brand new apartment down on uh, West Street, down in the village. So, yeah, she and I moved here together in 1976. That's a nice friend of a friend. Oh, my God. Yeah. We had our own room. Yeah, uh, yes, it was a very nice friend of a friend. We might have overstayed our welcome. So, well, it
0: uh, happened. But I remember when I first moved to New York. I mean, it was all about couches and like I had an oh. I had an extra couch. And the amount of people now, I don't want house guests. But when when you're young, yeah. you're like,
1: come stay, look yeah. for apartment. Our apartment that we got, then people from our school came pouring through. Yeah. John Goodman moved me into this apartment that we're in right now because he lived right around the corner. Yeah, he helped me. There, it's, it's no longer up here, but uh, there was a couch that I had that he like put on his back and walked up. Four, four yeah, because he was starring in Broadway. Whenever I listen to Big River,
0: I'm always like John, John Goodman, Goodman. I know. You know the amount of people that starred in theater. I know. I know.
1: Yeah. It's fascinating. It really
0: is. So then how did you, did you just go
1: start auditioning? Did you grab an agent or? I didn't have an agent. I didn't get an agent until I was in my fourth Broadway show. Yeah. So I I just, I actually booked my first job, that my first audition that I went on. And of course I was non-union. Right. And it was for an industrial tour for the coal, for the National Coal Association. We toured coal country, basically, you know, like Kentucky and Virginia, and it was like a variety show. Yeah, we, we did like pop numbers, but the the title tune, uh, which I have the sheet music somewhere, is called "I Am Coal, I Am America." That was some special song that was written for it that we sang, and it was like a six or seven week tour, and that was my first audition and my first job. That's great. Yeah, it's great. I did a industrial tour that Jason Robert Brown wrote, like. Ran Before
0: for, he was, yeah, like, well, yeah. For, State, for State Farm, I think. Oh, yeah. State Farm. Yeah. Wait a minute. They're like, oh, yeah, this guy, he, he has a show coming out called Parade soon. And I was like, oh, whoever.
1: State Farm is like the only one left.
0: Yeah, and I don't even think it's around that much now. They go like
1: every three years. Is that what it is? Yeah, something like that. I know, those were great. Carol Schuberg. Yes. Still, does, you know, and she's doing Rudolph with us, by the way. Mm. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's so yeah. great! That's Act Two. We'll get that's to Act like, Two. Okay. In we'll then. get that
1: too. So, how did your Broadway debut? Was it Anything Goes? That was Anything Goes. Yeah, and that was t- I'd been here ten years before I got that. Yeah, ten years before you got your Broadway yeah. debut. Yeah, I'd been on the road for like three or four years with Sugar Babies. When the show Broadway show closed with Mickey Rooney and Ann Miller, it went on the road for like a year and a half, and I did that with them. And I also did a bus and truck uh, of it as well. But yeah, I was. I mean, I was working. Pretty, you know, like doing dinner theater and stuff like that. But yes, anything goes is my first Broadway show, and oh my god, what a what a thrill that was! Yeah, Lincoln Center and Patti Lapone and Best Revival, Best Revival, and a TV commercial and Tony being on the Tony Awards, and you know, it's just like everything, like it's like every dream that I'd ever had came yeah. kind of true in that in that one experience. And not only that, it was. You know, when it opened, it was just—it was like the hit. Mm. Those that year, it was—it was. Anything goes in *Phantom of the Opera*. Those were the two big things. That oh opened. wow! Nineteen eighty-seven, and it's Lincoln Center, so you can—you know—you can see everybody in the audience. Yeah. If, you know, if you're if you're looking, if you if you have a chance to look, <laughs> but even if it's a curtain call, and every show there was some. You know, there's somebody there with just make your jaw drop. Like I remember one time there was Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward and Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise's wife at the time, Mimi Rogers. Mimi Rogers, yes, they were there one show and then one show. There's Jackie Onassis and John Kennedy Jr. Oh my gosh! You know, uh, Leontine Price. I mean, it was just, it was just Lucille Ball. It was just amazing. It was, it was a great, it was a great experience that you know and I was um oh, so grateful. So great and then and then and that was my first I know you I know uh I know you know that I've understudied a lot. Yes. And that was my first Broadway experience of understudying. And that, you know, and then that whole thing on top of you know, getting to sing You're the top with Patty LePau. Oh my gosh. It's like, you know, that I mean how can it just doesn't get get better than that. The very first time I went on. The very first time I went on, and you know, she's—I I love her, and she's a great friend, and and uh, I've done a couple of concerts with her and stuff. And she's a pro, and she just—you know—she just wants everybody else to be giving as much as she's giving. Yeah. And if you're giving as much as she's giving, then then she's—you know—that's that's great. The very first time I went on for Howard McGillen, who's another one. I you know I got to work with Howard McGillen. Yeah. A dream. She comes in and sings. Uh, I get a kick out of you. They're in. They're in a nightclub. They're yeah. in a bar, and she sings. I get a kick out of you. And I was nervous, to say the least. And you know, I mean, you're an understudy, and you're shot out of a cannon, and there's the audience, and there's Patty la It's like all of that stuff. Yeah, it's all of that stuff that you don't know until it's actually happening. Nothing really can prepare you, prepare you for that. No, it just it's like there it all is and she totally reblocked herself and pulled up a a bar stool and sat with you know her back was like three quarters to the audience and took my hand and put her hand on my cheek and sat and just sat there and sang i get a kick out of you to me not necessarily to the character but to me her friend dale who was maybe a little (laughs) not as calm as he could have been and from then on, I was just like, oh, "Okay, all right, this is going to be this is going to be a piece of cake, and it's going to be fun." And it was, and it was great. But, but I always will tip my hat to her for treating an understudy the way she treated me in that moment. You, you know, you could choose to say, "Oh God, I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to sing this song to the audience." Right. And it was really a, a wonderful, remarkable moment that she gave to me. Wow! And was
0: that the first time you were ever on as an understudy on Broadway,
1: or yeah? Wow yes it was
0: yeah well that was interesting because i know you have this great career and I, if you ever look at imdb or whatever it says like original replacement yeah. replacement and i was looking and almost every one of your credits said understudy Understood. under understudy probably there like 27 times yeah. so has that always been part of your yeah. track
1: yeah the only time it wasn't was cats i play I, I i played the role for for a year mm. so i didn't have to understudy then and when I did Sunset, I was not an understudy there. Nice. And it was it was a gift to not. But I love it. I'm but I'm always really hard on myself as an understudy. I want you know there's people that are paying a lot of money, mm-hmm. and I don't want to let them down. I don't want to let the cast down. I don't want to let anybody down, and especially I don't want to let myself down. So when I when I understudy, I am very diligent about from the from the first rehearsal from the from the day I get the script I start you know I just feel like because you never know when you're going to go on no never and once the show starts previews you could go on yeah I mean so
0: and I understand rehearsals don't start till and after and they don't rehearsal. start till
1: later and I know I believe there's an equity rule that, that you don't actually have to go on if you haven't had rehearsal yeah but I, there's something like that but but then if it means canceling the show, who wants to, you know, so, yeah. so I always, it's, there's always a lot of extra work for me. I always make sure, you know, I, I, I would always vocalize every single day. That was mm. one thing that I always did as a performer, vocalize every single day, because that's, that's how I make my living. And that's, you know, I, I want that to stay in shape. For instance, every time I did Lacage, two tours and two Broadway productions of it, I covered both of the men, mm. George and Albain. yeah and I would like one day I would rehearse myself doing all the George stuff everything lines song if there's choreography do all of that and then another day of the week I would do all the Alban stuff same thing and lots of times when I was on the road I would go to the theater and actually just like walk through stuff on stage and I would do that actually I would do that a lot of times here on Broadway as well if if I could get access to the stage I just always felt that in the moment like when you're when you're shot out of that cannon you need to be as prepared and ready and and know cuz there's going to be so much that's unknown coming at you right so much is going to be coming at you the more solid i can make sure that i was then the, the less I had to worry once I got out there. I've worked with people, you know, they they always pull off a performance, but I've seen people in the wings going, you know, with the script going, okay, what's next, what's yeah. next, what's next? <clears throat> I could never, ever do that. I could, because, you know, the stakes are too high to to not be at your best, because even at your best, you just, like I said, you don't know what's going to be coming at you. Exactly. I went on for um, for Doug Hodge first time I went on for him, he won the Tony Award for Alban in the last revival of La Cage. He won the Tony Award on Sunday and I went on for him that Wednesday matinee. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Like two days after he had won the Tony Award. <laughs> it was the first time I'd been on. Yeah. And I even even though he told me Tony night that he was going to take off, even though I, you know, even though I'd been prepared right. for months. <clears throat> And I covered the row, I did the 10th anniversary tour of Lacage in '93, and then I did the revival. So I never went on for Alban in those other two experiences. Oh So I had learned Alban 17 years before I actually played Alban. I learned it in 93 and I oh, didn't wow. play it until 2000 so interesting and so I waited it took me 17 years to actually finally get to play that role but that's another thing you, when you understand you just got to go into it and say I'm gonna learn this I may never ever go on right but I have to be it has to be a full performance in case I do go on yeah. so it's a lot of it can be a lot of work that you feel is not acknowledged if you don't go on, but you, you can't approach it like that. You just have to approach it that, yeah, I might be on tomorrow, so I gotta right. know what I'm doing. And
0: so you never went on for Gary Beach either?
1: I went on for, no, and that production, I went on for the other part. I went on for George. George, oh. Yeah, the opposite Gary Beach. Yeah, oh, who's my, yeah. A random
0: question, but I think now with everyone's like, am I right? We're like, you should cast a African-American in certain roles and a Latinas in certain roles. But it hasn't come to the fact where if it's a gay role, you cast a gay person. Right. We haven't crossed that line. So do you think it makes a difference between, like, not performance-wise, but just having someone like Gary Beach play the role who is a gay man versus Douglas Hodge or Kelsey Grammer, who are, these are straight people. Do you think that there's an, an innate difference when they always talk about that, or is it just acting? Is I,
1: acting? I, I think acting is acting. In in this case, if you're asking specifically with those roles, I think acting is acting. Doug Hodge, like all the rehearsals, yeah. I, I just thought he. I just assumed that he was a gay man because okay. he was so. He just so you know what he did with that role was amazing, and and I heard you know a couple of times on break I heard him talk about his partner, his partner. You know, my partner and I have two kids. And I just assumed that his partner was a man. But mm. then I find out his partner's a woman, and then he's straight. He was a straight man brilliantly playing a gay role. Yeah. You know, I don't think we would want... Uh, as a gay person, I wouldn't want to limit myself that I should only play gay people. Right. Uh, you know? So I, I feel that if you're going to say, it's better for a gay person to play a gay person, then I'm, I fear that people would say, well, it's better for a straight person to play a straight person. Right. And, and Kelsey was... Magnificent. He broke my heart more he than Douglas was, did. He was magnificent. You know, the thing about that show, it really is, it's George's show. He's mm-hmm. the heart of that show. And he's, you know, he's the father, he's the husband, he's the, you know, and it's just that is the flashier part. And he comes in and screams about something and then sings a fabulous song and then leaves and then comes back and sings a fabulous song and then leaves. And George is on stage like all night long, mm. it's, it's like him. It's really all about him and he's really the heart, he really is the heart of the show. Kelsey was wonderful.
0: So of the two, one revival that you did on Broadway was huge and was splashy. Yeah. And then the second one you did was really small and intimate. How is that for you? And also your history with the show, going through so many different productions of it.
1: Well, it's funny, when the, the, the first revival, the 2004 revival, I was rehearsing Full Monty on the road with Jerry Mitchell. And he came in one day and said, "Hey, I'm going to be doing a revival of Lacage, and it's going to be it's going to be really dark, and it's going to be really seedy, and it's going to be." And I said, "You know, I was like, oh, that's really that's a great idea." And so I so then I was cast in it, and it was not it it was not it was a big beautiful lavish production of Lacage A and it was very similar to the original mm. production, *Blanche Full, which is great. I mean, yeah. there's nothing, you know, so so there was nothing seedy or dark about it. And then the next one rolls around, and it's the seedy and the dark one that yeah. that, uh, and it's all it's all much smaller. I I just think that it's it's more uh, being more intimate. It's mm-hmm. more about the relationship of the two of the couple of you know the two men and the father and the son. Right. The big and splashy, I think. Is not as necessary for that show anymore as it was originally. Yeah, original. I mean, it was an, it was fantastic yeah. production originally. Yeah, a, and the two thousand four revival was too was good too, but it was you know it was a, it was a revival and there was nothing new and different about it. Yeah. So maybe that's why it didn't run as long as it is. We all hoped that it would have been right. run. But another one
0: of the big shows that you did, which is amazing, is that guys and Dolls that yes. people talk about with. You mean everything about that show was perfect. It's the template of what Guys and Dolls would be, I think, from now on. Yeah. With costumes, with sets, with character choices. And I mean, that company was amazing. And the choreography. So, I mean, it's people still in Legend talk about that. Some of the best dancers ever have come. Oh. And choreographers have come out of oh, that ensemble.
1: Yeah. Like amazing choreographers have yeah. come yeah. out of that. Yeah.
0: Ensemble. So, how was that production of Guys and Dolls?
1: Oh, it was spectacular. I actually went into it. I went into it about six weeks after they opened I no. went in, Yeah, as a vacation swing. So as the vacation swing, I, anytime any guy in the show was taking time off, mm. not that I covered that guy, but if, you know, I covered the, the, the six male singers and if and they all covered the principles and, you know, so anytime a guy was going to take off or going to be out, they needed the extra swing there. Yeah. So it was, the, it was a fantastic job because they would say, okay, we need you for three months and then you'll have a couple of weeks off and then we need you again for six weeks. And then, so there were like these little built-in vacations through the whole thing. It was great. That aspect of it was great. And being a part of, it was very much like anything goes in that. Jerry Zachs directed. Eddie, the late, sweet Eddie Strauss was the music director. And it was all... It was very Jerry. It was high energy. Mm. Just, you know, the audience is... Just, you know, it's like anything goes. It's he's, he's, he's so gifted. He knows what to do for an audience. Yeah. And to get to do that, to get to be a part of that, it's just a big party every yeah. single night. You know, to see Faith Prince do her thing every night. And Nathan Lane was amazing. Yeah. Nathan Lane, I was so cuz he's 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 like Patty in that, you know, you got to you got to you got to come up with your game. Right. Yeah. You got you got to be on it. And there was a scene, the Joey Biltmore scene. I don't know if you know this. Show. Yeah, yeah, I do. I played Joey yeah. Biltmore. <laughs> and 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 in this revival, Joey Biltmore, were you on stage when you did no, it? No, I was off stage. Yeah. So, it, not only is he off stage, but he's off stage in a room all by himself with headphones on and a microphone. And and Nathan's out on stage on, on the phone booth, and I was so terrified of doing that. So terrified of doing that, just because that of all the guys that I covered, that was the one that that really encountered Nathan. Yes, that character, and and I was so in awe of him, and I was so uh, I was just terrified. Yeah, because. Because it was Nathan Plain, for God's sake. And he knows everything there is to know about comedy. Yes, he does. And Joey Biltmore is like setting him up for his, you know. Yeah. So I was sitting right here at this table one night and my phone rang. This is before cell phones, of course. My phone rang. It was stage manager Steve Beckler called to tell me that I was on for Joey Joey Biltmore. And I hung up and I just burst into tears. I was like, oh my God, I have to do it tonight. He was so lovely. Nathan was so lovely. And uh, at the time, we had the same voice teacher, Bill Schumann, and I always say that, you know, he was always extra nice to me because of Bill. But, oh man, I was so terrified to do that. The insecure stuff that we sometimes do to ourselves. Oh, yeah. That we get in our way. Yeah. That's probably been the toughest thing for me, is to try to get out of my way when it comes to letting go and doing it. Yeah. You've done all the work, just let's let's go out and do it. But it turned out to be great. And so I was there, you know, in and out, in and out, in and out for the whole run. Oh wow. Yeah, for the whole run I was there. Yeah. It was great. That's so great. Yeah. And it's right right up the street. Oh. Back then it was the Martin Beck Theater. Yes. Oh. Yes. Because yeah, I
0: remember I did it shortly afterwards and we got all your costumes. Like I did it and I was like, These are incredible William
1: Ivy Long. The costumes, yeah, amazing.
0: Yeah amazing yeah so great um so sunset boulevard i actually just recently saw it um, where'd you see it uh north shore oh at, yeah yeah at, yeah, yeah. With yeah Alice Ripley. that I, I remember seeing the original and, and, and liked it but then seeing it again i was like this is a really good show i think why do you think it's it feels like it doesn't get as much press people don't love it as much as other andrew lloyd webbers i mean what why do you think that is that it doesn't get the credit it deserves
1: i i always thought her stuff was great mm. I always thought that, you know, like everything that she did, every song that she had was great. And I didn't feel that the stuff that the ensemble does in that, I don't think it it's not as memorable and it's not as strong. And in fact, I saw a production recently out at uh, with my dear, dear friend, Judy McLean out at the Engeman Theater. Oh, OK. Yeah. And Judy was spectacular. And I sat there going, wait a second. Did we do this song? Did we sing this song? And I did the show for two years. Yeah. Here. But there were songs that I couldn't remember like the by this time next year oh yeah and I sat there thinking I remember my <clears throat> costume but I don't remember anything else right. about this so I don't know I think the original production it was all about the set and the star yes and so maybe that has something to do with it you know and there was so much you know all of the drama uh, of you know patty not coming and and all of that stuff there was so much there was so much behind the scenes. Drama oh, okay. with that show. And I think that it might have gotten a little... And, and it was always about... I, I came in at the end of Glenn's run, and then I did it with for like almost two years with Betty Buckley, and then Elaine Page replaced her. It was always about the actress that's playing the woman, and so maybe, maybe that's one of the reasons that the show is not... I
0: don't know. Because I was like, oh, the book's pretty good, and there are some good songs. But I did notice seeing it, like my friends who were in the ensemble... That it is one of those shows for the ensemble that you—it's a paycheck. Your background, but you're even playing movie set backgrounds. Background. Yeah. So it's so how do you, as an actor, keep something like that fresh, where you still—I know you're. Your work is impeccable, but like knowing that I'm basically a hu- living set piece, but I'm getting paid. Like, how do you get integrate well, yourself? With
1: that show, I had the fab, that great number, of the ladies paying. That was me. I was the oh. yeah, I was that guy. Oh, well, I was the tailor. Yes. Yeah. So I had that mm. in, in Act One, but in Act Two, when she comes to Paramount Studios, yeah, we were all standing around, but it was Betty Buckley standing there. Oh, singing. yeah. Or it was whoever, Karen Mason, whoever, it, it you know, every night, every night it was, especially with Betty, it was different and it was thrilling and it was scary. And it was just a, a roller coaster ride. And watching that number, I, you know, I, we on stage, we had the best seat in the house. Oh, yeah. There's four spotlights on her and you're dim. And if you can't figure out what to do with yourself for the three minutes that she's singing the number, then you probably shouldn't be up there on stage. Yeah. But, you know, Hmm. I I always found that moment, I was always riveted at that moment because the reality of it was this, oh my God, there's this musical theater legend Mm -hmm. standing here singing, you know, honking out this song that she sounds great. It's a great song. So, wow, I'm definitely going to go along for the ride on this. Yeah. Somebody once said to me, uh, I was doing a production of 1776 at Williamstown, and some friends came to see the show, and and they said, "You're a, you're a really good listener on stage. That's what you have to do. Yeah. If you're if you're you have to be engaged, and even if you're in the back, you're still on stage. Right. You're there for a reason. You have to stay connected to that moment, and you got to find a reason for yourself to be connected to that moment. And if it's just to be the to get the paycheck, then." Maybe you should move on and let somebody else get that paycheck. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. Especially when you're like, we worked two and a half hours today, like, and you can't focus for that
1: yeah. amount of time. And especially, again, with what people pay to see the theater these days, to go to the theater. Yeah,
0: especially when I was younger, uh, I was always looking at the ensemble because I was like, oh my God. And there's nothing that breaks your heart more when you look at someone on a Broadway show in the back. Laughing or giggling or not yeah. paying attention, and it's it's just there's something it's like disrespectful when yeah. someone's like yeah. f- goofing around in church.
1: I went the other night. I went to see. I'm not going to say what musical. I went to see it was a big musical, and at the end, a group uh, came out to take their bow, and there was a woman toward uh, over on the side, and she spotted somebody in the audience, and she's waving and she's like, you know, mouthing, "Let's you know come back after the show," and you know, and and, and it was so distracting. I missed probably like I don't know like five or six people bowing. Ugh. Because I was watching her, you know, connect with this person down in the front row, and it's the show's still going on there. Yeah, it's still part of the show. Yeah,
0: the curtain. I has know not you've come bowed, but yes. there's
1: still people that haven't come out yet. Oh wow! You got to pay attention. You got to pay respect to them. Yeah.
0: So one of the last big shows you did on Broadway was *The Drowsy chaperone.
1: A like, new favorite of yours. It is.
0: I was shocked at how much I loved it. Um, Did you see it before? Oh, I saw it twice on Broadway. Um, mm. I saw the original cast, and then um, one of my best friends, Patrick Wetzel, went on as man and chair. And I went on and just... Like, he was
1: fantastic. Cried
0: and cried. <laughs> he was and
1: fantastic.
0: Fantastic. And everyone I know involved in that show, and now I feel like I'm getting to know a lot of people, they always say it's their favorite experience. Yeah. You say the words to them and they just light up. Yeah. So... When you have that type of special company that are just so connected, and you come in as a replacement, how did you fit in?
1: Again, I was a vacation swing. Mm. I started as a vacation swing there, and I came in as Casey Nicola's friend. Oh, okay. And I already knew some of them, and you know, you walk into the building and with Casey's arm around you, then that's really all you need to put a smile on everybody's face. Right. And Casey's a master. Well, first of all, he's genius at directing and choreographing, but he's also a master at putting together a group of people that will be happy together. Yeah. And that's, that's an art in itself is, is casting for people that are going to be living together for the next two years or whatever. Yeah. So I, I think because he brought me, you know, he he was the one that brought me in. But there again, I, co- I covered, there's 10 guys in the show. I covered eight of the 10 guys in the show. How is that legal? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, some of them were swings and some of them were understudies. Mm. So I was, you know, I was, started as a vacation swing, and I swung the two ensemble tracks, and then I I covered six of the of the principals. Yeah,
0: weren't you saying you had to dust off your tap shoes when you went into that show?
1: Yes, fortunately, I never went on for that. And Patrick Wetzel, bless his heart, but at that point he was playing the role of George. He would like stay between shows and and help me, you know, and help me learn it. He was so sweet, but. I used to love tap dancing a lot more than, you know, you, you get to a certain point and your your body's creaky and, and stomping around hurts your knees. And, and so it was hard for me to, to learn that yeah. role. That was hard. But everything else I dove into and I did my homework. Not only did I, you know, at rehearsals, I would be on it, but I would come home and I would run stuff on my own so that when I would go back to rehearsal the next day, I would. You know, they'd be like, "Oh my God, you know it already." Okay, well, let's move on. Yeah, and word that spreads through the company that, oh, yeah, he's really on it. He's he's on it. So, yeah, and there it's and it was a lovely group of people. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, it was an amazing group of people.
0: Yeah, I hear so many certain companies, even right now on Broadway, that you just hear like, "Oh, that company's miserable." They and they're, they 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 give know. people the cold
1: shoulder I when know. a new person
0: comes in. And you're like, "What?"
1: I know. Yeah. Was it? Uh, I believe it was your podcast with Jennifer Jane Smith, where she you were talking about the interns out at Sacramento. Were like, yes. like, oh my God, you guys! You guys actually talk to us. You guys actually say, I I can't. Um, for me, I think it's more important to learn the people that are not center stage. I think it's more important to learn their names because they might need the self esteem boost. You know, as, yeah. as, as instead of just being somebody on the side, a very important lesson I learned from Miss Patty Lapone when we were in tech rehearsals for Anything Goes and they were lighting something and there were four spot operators and she's like talking, hey so-and-so, hey, hey Joe, Uh, you know, she knew all of their names and I was like, oh my god, I haven't even, I don't even know what these guys look like. Yeah. And she knows their names and I was like, that's so smart. Yes. That's so smart, you know, Get everybody on your side, exactly, and that's always been my mantra too. You just got to be nice, yeah. And it's a sometimes it's a really shitty business to be nice in, yeah. And things happen, but you got to go through the business. You got to go through life. You you want people to want to work with you again, right? And we're in a business where a show runs for two months, two years, whatever, and then maybe somebody or or all of the guys from the Andy Blankenbuehlers and the Sergio Trahi- that. That were in the guys that were in the dressing room with me and Guys and Dolls, in the chorus, you know, that are now, look what they're doing now. And it's like, you're your product, you have to sell your product and sell yourself as somebody that that, that people are going to want to work with again.
0: Yeah, no, it's so true. And I know we have to have survival instincts and be self-focused and even sometimes narcissistic, but that doesn't mean you can't be kind. And like to be driven and moving straight forward it doesn't mean unkind but i think people feel like you have to be like that and you have to like push people out of the way and
1: no i have had a fantastic career with the amount of talent that i have i don't even know what whether that's a lot or not but i've managed to have a lovely career but i always it was always important for me to dare i say be liked yeah and to know what i'm doing or to show up and know what i'm doing and and that is preparing you know that's learning your stuff and Working on it on your own and not saying, well, I only had one understudy rehearsal and I'm not prepared. Well, the bottom line is I always felt if you have to go on stage, it's your ass on the line out there. You're out there, even though everybody's supporting you. If you don't know what you're doing, you're the one that's going to be floundering on. It's your ass that's on the line. So you just got to protect that. Yeah. So was Drowsy your last Broadway show? No, my last Broadway show was the Lacage, the ten two thousand ten. 2010.
0: Oh, okay. After that show, what did you want to do next? Were you auditioning? Or? Well, I
1: did the tour. Oh, uh, you did? Okay. Yeah, I did the tour, and that was out for like a year and a half or something like that. And then I did some regional stuff. I was just finding the older that I got that I, I, maybe I wasn't submitted as much. I wasn't working. I was working, but I just felt that I wasn't working as much. But And I had, you know, like years ago, I had said by the time I'm 50... I want to be doing something else, even though I loved what I was doing. Yeah. I just like, I want to be doing, I want to do something else by the time I turn 50. And I didn't because there was, you know, I know people that like go back to get their degree in whatever, in social work or something and their masters. And I always fantasized about doing that, but I I never did it because I, because I was always working. Yeah. a show always came along when yeah. I thought about doing. But I had I had wanted to and in the last few years I really wanted to to step away from performing just because it's exhausting. Yes. Just the sh- the the show energy that you have to come up with 8 times a week, you know, not just getting to the theater, but once you get there and get signed in and get on stage, you got to be there. You got to be in it. Yeah. Doing that 8 times a week is exhausting
0: you have such a great soul and you're a humanitarian so during this your whole career did you have interest in that type of stuff i
1: started volunteering probably about i don't know 10 or 12 years ago at covenant house okay which is it's for homeless teenagers i once a week i would do a program there where it was a mock interview and you would come in and you would pretend that you were the manager at target or whatever and you would you know, you'd sit down with them, they'd give you a resume, you'd do it one at a time, you'd talk to them, you would say, oh, your sh- your handshake could be a little better, or mm. you make sure you make eye contact, just stuff like that. And it was kind of an acting exercise for me as well, be, you know, it's sort of like a big improv thing. I felt all of it was geared to give this homeless, probably feeling hopeless teenager giving giving them something to look forward to giving them hope yeah it was just all about giving them hope and encouraging them and saying yeah no, no no you got this you got this you got this yeah you'll be great once you get out there in a lot of ways it was it was very much like putting somebody into a show mm. you know so so that was not that i not that i thought of it that way but it's just you're you're basically giving somebody the the encouragement and whatever help they need to go on stage or to get out to there and look for the job or whatever it is so so I did that for years and then that, that program was discontinued and I did that through an organization called New York Cares which is a fantastic uh, mm. volunteer it's fantastic like they do they have all sorts of things like gardening project or a library project or it's stuff all over the city that they do that's how I got that and when that was discontinued I was I was like oh I, I need something to do it was the the same mock interview with A group of an organization called AHRC NYC and it's uh, it supports people with disabilities it's adults with disabilities like all over the spectrum autism and Down syndrome and physical disabilities as well and that's how I hooked into act two of my life good (laughs) that's a good (laughs) transition no I
0: I mean I I adore you and I love your Broadway career but what you're doing now is so inspiring, and I don't know. It just it's helping me right now um, as a person, and I just think it's so amazing. You started off volunteering with special needs, and now you a, a role has been created for you, yeah. and now you're being asked to to help organizations all over the city. So, how did it actually start? What made you decide to say, "I want to help this this community"? and sing and dance
1: well the way it all started was to be perfectly honest i you know i like i said the the covenant house had stopped and i was sort of in a you know in a period of not having any any voluntary and the thing about what we what we do in our show business is it's so me oriented and it has to be because you are the product that you're selling but then i i, I feel that there has to be a a cap on that you can't it can't just be all me 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 and so I found when I volunteered it got me out of you know poor me I didn't get that audition or poor me I didn't get that job or poor me I didn't get that laugh all of that (laughs) that that we that we fall into yeah you get you know you get in a long run which is a it's a blessing but then you get you know you can fall into that trap of you know oh I hate this audit you know it's it's just it, it it happens and when you sit and talk with somebody that doesn't have a home and doesn't know what doesn't know what what's, what tomorrow's going to bring and it just puts life in perspective for you and so so i that had opened the that had opened the door to my heart and it was during the that when they were campaigning for the elect for the presidential election and uh, the current occupant of the white house was making fun of a mm. of of a reporter and I just thought, wait a second, of all people to bully, of all populations to go after and make fun of, that's not the population. Not that you should be making fun of anybody, not that you should bully anybody. But I just thought, you know what, that's that's really that's really shitty. I want and that's where that's where I went, I want to do something. With that world, I want to, I, I, and that's what pushed me into that into that world. And then when I was at one of these mock interviews with the, again, it's it was it was, and it was the same thing as the Covenant House kids. It's just that they just happen to be people, adults with some form of, you know, autism and capable of holding the job. And the head of the volunteers at this organization was there one day, and she came over to me afterwards. and She said, "Who are you? You're so great with these with these folks. What?" what do you do? And I told her I was in show business at the time I was doing the Fantastics off Broadway. Mm. And she said, would you consider doing some sort of program with them? And I said, yeah, I said, I've never done it, but yeah. So I, so I set out to volunteer at this one place and I was, they wanted me to set up a dance program and it really, which is not really my cup of tea, but I was like, yeah, sure, 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 sure. And I thought we could do some like ballroom or something like that. And when I got there, there was a room that had these six or seven guys and they and they were amazing. They're all blind, blind since birth, all of them. And they're phenomenal singers, phenomenal musicians. And I would walk by that room and go, oh, I want to get in there with them. I want to be in there with that. So I eventually, after a few weeks, I, I went in and said, hey, you guys, you want to do a Broadway show? And I checked with Kathy Russell over at the theater, over at the Fantastics Theater, she owns the theaters. And I said, can I bring a group here? to uh to perform and she's like yeah absolutely and that was that was how it all started i just started teaching them some show tunes all it was was just me teaching them show tunes that's all i knew i was taking 40 years of of what i knew and passing it on to these people and i had no idea that it would turn into what it has turned into because you know those seven people turned into there's like a hundred people now at like 10 different centers across the city that I work with, and bring people like you in, and people like Gavin Creel and Bradley Dean and Judy McLean, and all these Broadway folks that are like knocking on the door to be a part of this wonderful thing that they, you know, that that we do. we put on a Broadway show with Broadway people in to us a Broadway theater. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's and I think it's also I know I I love what I do, but you also are good at m- matching people like. When you you I, I hear uh, I'll see them this coming week, but with the people that Gavin Creel works with, yeah, he's very right for them yeah. and their talents. Yeah. And the gentleman I work with, Jesse, who is he's I, amazing, I, he's amazing, but he's so right for for me. So you're also on top of it. You're also figuring out like what Broadway person can come in and work with what's one of your special needs. I mean, you're very. Of overseeing the orchestration of how you put everything together and is amazing and uh i know i needed something like this and not knowing that i did but needed something to get out of myself and something
1: to give back everybody needs it yeah everybody needs it and you've come to see our shows yes. it's just nothing but joy it's just it's pure joy coming from these people that are on stage and we're cramming 70 people on stage that's a 10 by 25 foot stage yeah know. but nobody cares because they're getting to and i don't care whether that some of them can really really sing yeah but i don't care whether anybody can sing i don't i don't care about that if if they're opening their mouths and the sound that's coming out if, if it's bringing them joy it's bringing me joy too and mm. that's all i really care about
0: and some are so joyous like elvis
1: oh he's the sweetest yes Yes, there's a girl. There's a new girl in that group that you haven't you haven't met her yet. When they brought her in, the staff person said she's she's nonverbal, and I said, "But can she sing?" And She said, "No, she's nonverbal." And I said, "You're not you're not answering my question." I said, "She said I don't know what you're saying." I said, "Okay, never mind." So then we start singing. The group starts singing, and this girl is the sounds that are coming out of her are amazing. It's not necessarily musical, right? But I don't care about that, yeah, because to her. She's doing something that she's never, ever gotten to do before. She's singing with a group of people. And uh, the the staff person came back in and I said, she was just singing. She said, no, she wasn't. I said, yes, she was. And she wouldn't believe me. And then we started again. And she was like, oh, my God. I think a lot of these folks are not written off, but it's thought that they're, okay, that's the extent of of who and what they are. And I I don't believe that. I think that with encouragement... It's the same thing in show business. I'm just doing what I've done for 40 years and treating these folks the way I always wanted to be treated is with positive energy and saying, yes, you can do that. Yes, yes, that's great. Now let's try it like this. I treat them like professionals. I run the, run the rehearsals like it's a professional rehearsal. Now, even though the attention span <laughs> is is not uh necessarily professional shall we say but you know you do what you can and you try to keep all the plates up in the air and then I get people like you that come in and Branch comes in and I got Thane Jasperson he's he's in Hamilton he works with me with one of the groups um so I'm just so blessed to have people like you because now it's getting to the point that I can't really handle it all myself yeah And I've got my fabulous little music director, Ian Miller. It's such a gift. It's just been such a gift for me in my, in my, you say act two. I say it's, it's act three, baby. Oh, but, uh, but yes, it's been such a gift, Nice, such a gift. And it's rejuvenated and revitalized me and, and made me see life completely differently. And, you know, and I, and I see what it's doing for these people and I see, I see how excited they get. I walk into the building and they hear my voice. The, the blind ones, they hear my voice and they're up and ready to, to come into the room and sing it and they're so excited. And it's like, you know, where where else can you possibly get that experience? Yeah. That, especially after being in, in show business, doing a long run and you maybe are not necessarily happy to see everybody when you get to the theater. Yeah. It's, it's just been such a gift to see people getting to do what I've maybe taken for granted and for them to get to do it and to do it with such incredible joy and their families come and they're you know they're sobbing they're like oh I never knew that that you know I never knew that could be I never knew that he could sing like that it's just you know it's just it's fantastic gift it's a fantastic gift that's been plopped into my lap
0: well, I can't wait to meet Jesse's sisters when we go to the Brishnikov and my mom's going to come to see one of them. I mean, and I'm relatively new working with your company and it, it brings me such a different joy that I, I definitely need because there's some days like with stuff's going on, not only the country, but my career and getting older that I'm like dealing with a lot of depression and a yeah. lot of self doubt. Yeah. And then a Tuesday runs around and I was like, oh my God, I get to spend an hour and a half with Dale yeah. and Jesse. And then, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I, I'm good. I'm I'm good. Yeah. This helps me.
1: One of the gifts is that you know these guys they may know what's going on in the country, but they not really. You know, it really doesn't affect them. I think that's such a gift for them, and I feel that we're in a very dark time, and they bring so much light to everybody that comes within contact of with them. I agree. Yeah. It's just it's such a gift. The biggest thing challenge I
0: had for me, which seems like you never did, is I had to get out of my head that they were different. And I was nervous about how do I talk to them, how do I approach them. And then I see you with them, and you you just you treat them no differently, like they're a professional. And you're patient with them, just like you would be a singer who moved. You know all their personalities, and that's when I realized. Be a nice person like you would be a normal nice person. There's no it's difference. It's the way
1: I wanted to be treated always as a performer. Right. Just treat them like a human being, and there might be a special need, but they're just, they're people. Yeah, I know perfectly healthy people
0: that are special needs. Yeah. That you have to deal with them a certain way and talk to them a certain way. So that's why I was like, there's oh, oh there's completely no difference between, yeah. between, and that was well, hard for me to, to wrap my head around until I actually just did it and said, yes, I'm going to show up. Because I think that people are scared of volunteering or donating their time with something that seems uh, out of their reach.
1: Yeah. Well, don't you have a brother?
0: I have a brother who, uh, that this is what he does full time. Yeah. And he was a saint. He's still a saint to me. And he's a man of very little words. And he's like, why are you making such a big deal out of him? Just treat them like a person.
1: Yeah. I was like, what? He's like, that's it. Okay, bye, Bo. Well, especially what we do. We're, we're there to rehearse. We're yeah. there, you know, we're, we we have an agenda. Yeah. We got to sing this. We got to do this. We got to get up and stage this. Yeah. No, I never, I, I, maybe that's why the volunteer lady, when she spotted me, maybe she saw that I was completely comfortable with these, with these folks. And yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah.
0: That, I mean, that's just amazing. I wanted to definitely interview you now because uh, now that the holidays are coming up, I wanted this hopefully released. We got a plug in I'm going to get show. a plug in because uh, on December 4th and December 11th, at the theater center, which used to be the Snapple Center. Yep. At eleven o'clock.
1: Eleven thirty.
0: Oh, eleven thirty. Your
1: half hour is at eleven o'clock. Oh, my right. half hour. All right. Yeah.
0: We're doing the version of Elf or version of Rudolph. It's, it's a Rudolph.
1: It's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's basically uh, the, you know, the, the TV show from the '60s. Oh, okay. It's that. Oh, I've just I've just doctored it up. So the section that you're doing, you're doing the Elf section, which is not in the. TV version at oh, all. Oh, well,
0: because it, well, it's going to be the best section. Of well, of the show. course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> you know, it's the t- and we've
1: we've added the North Pole Follies towards yes. the end of the show. So the, yes. which is uh, which is like a big old variety show, and you and Jesse will be doing your holly jolly Christmas thing. Yeah, I mean, I can't. You I mean, and Jesse, uh, Jesse's an amazing, an amazing, amazing young man, and he'll come into the room as you know, and sing. He'll launch into. I could fly the way the hours can put with the flowers. And if he launches into a verse and it's got fifteen verses, he's gonna sing all fifteen verses. Oh. There's no stopping it. Right. There's no stopping him. So and the
0: twelve days of Christmas we have, oh should never get started.
1: Oh my no. <laughs> no don't. Because he really will sing everything He's amazing. He really is amazing, and he's so gifted. And he picks up. You guys are like, a, like you're like Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly now. You're like an amazing song and dance team.
0: I just love it. And like, like now he like knows who I am. And yeah. Like, I mean, he did a little bit, but now he like fixed my cane for me and yeah. handed it to me. And he's yeah.
1: And that sort of stuff. I don't have the time to do what you do because I, I don't have the time to like choreograph something like that, and I don't have the energy to. To teach it, and you know, it's so it's so great to have you there to work specifically with him because he's so gifted. He's so gifted. I mean, he's I, so gifted. I hit the jackpot. He, yeah, you really. I'm did so
0: lucky. I like my heart is full because of him, yeah. which is because of you. And it's fun. Like you realize that, like like any choreographer, when you see a person do a step that they are good at, you're gonna put it in there. He'll like. Put steps, and and I'll see him do stuff, and I'll be like, we're putting that. In oh, it. yeah. So it's I, fun to know that he had a dance party, and he was jumping and doing everything like that. Yeah. So I added it into the last number, and it yeah.
1: got like a standing ovation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, that Yo, he's the, amazing. He's yeah. really amazing. And he's
0: an artist. And, yeah. Uh, and you know, and that's just my section. I mean, the, I know that the, all the blind folks, their voices are wonderful, yeah. so it's just it's Going to be great, yeah, yeah. in general, but I just think, regardless of what a person does volunteering, I think that that's very important, especially in show business, to have something where you're giving back.
1: You have to, yeah, you really have to. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just all about you know, I've got to work on this audition, I've got to, you know, yeah. I've got to try to get a new agent. It's all important stuff, yeah. that is all very important stuff to maintain a career, but. That's not all there is to it. No.
0: Like, I'd always collect the money afterwards, Broadway yeah. Cares. Yeah, But this is something different where it's like, you, you see where that money that you collected every night, you see an organization that it's going to, and you're like, yeah. oh.
1: Yeah, because we get grants from Broadway Cares. Yeah. And it bought your beautiful elf costume that oh, you're going to be wearing. I yeah. cannot wait. Yeah.
0: So one of my last questions is, you said you are in a 40-year relationship. Yes. I mean, that's hard to do just normal, let alone... I hate to use the word normal, let alone uh, in a gay relationship and in a theater relationship. Yeah. How have you lasted that long?
1: Well, Gary Kirsch and I are soulmates. We were always meant to be soulmates. We were meant to to be with each other. There have been, you know, there were a couple of rocky periods. We took a break from each other at one point. We found our way back to each other. and, And even when we took the break from each other, we had so much history together. Yeah. And it's like what do you do with that? You know, you 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 still love that person but you maybe am not, you know, maybe you want to move on to something else and we figured out a way to just move on together whenever mm. whenever we would hit a patch like that. That's the person. And I've always said this, that's the person that I want to be in a rocking chair with, you know, at the end of it all. That's the person that I want to sit and laugh at some silly TV thing and how we did it. I don't know because he was in the business as well. You know, we both toured together at one point, but there were lots of times that we would be on, one of us would be on the road. You can make it work, but it's work. Yeah, it's work. And we were on the road when all you had was the, you know, you had the phone. Yeah, you didn't have all the other. T- you didn't have FaceTime. You didn't have all that stuff. And I feel if you're meant to be with that person, you're going to be with that person. You'll work it out, and that's that's just as important. Personal life is just as important. To help balance out the professional life, which can be incredibly high and incredibly low, yeah, and that's that you know to have that person there to be with you for the highs, but then also to help you there for the things that really hurt, yeah, in show business.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's very important. I think I sacrificed my personal life a lot for this business. Yeah, I
1: think, but I think that's normal. We just happened to, you know, we met in nineteen seventy-seven you know it, it just happened to happen for us yeah and and if you're meant to be with that person yep. you're going to figure it out but so do you
0: miss the performing at all no you don't no i mean if casey called you and was like no
1: hey. no actually john mcginnis called me and wanted me to do the drowsy they, yeah they wanted me to do that drowsy out there. it was two weeks you couldn't have done two weeks the thing was it was going to run into we were going to be performing one of my groups was going to be performing at the disability pride parade And so it was going to be, it was going to be, and that was a big deal for them. They were all so excited about it. Oh, yeah. I can't, you know, if like a tour for a two week, two or three week thing, I could, I still have my agent, Pete Kaiser. He's so lovely. And he'll call me once in a while and say, I know what the answer is going to be, but somebody called and wanted to know if you wanted to do. I am so fulfilled right now with what I'm doing. It's too important. I feel it's too important to a lot of people. And I don't mean to sound you know I I don't mean to that to sound overly full of myself but you know what I'm saying to the people that I'm working with right now they're getting a lot out of it and they're very happy and I want to give them that I want to continue giving them that as long as I as long as I possibly can yes I could take a couple of weeks off but I don't I don't miss I don't miss performing yeah I don't miss performing because I get to see well you've seen our shows I oh, get to see yes. I, I get to see that for these guys that, for the, especially for the blind guys, they learn dialogue, but they learn it by me saying the line. They repeat it. We, you know, that's how we learn stuff. I mean, that's how our rehearsals start off. And for me to get to see them on stage playing a role and making choices and getting laughs, it's unbelievable. It's 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 a gift that I that I never thought that I that would that would happen to me. It's it's something that I feel is that special what these guys do in a theater. I I just scratch my head going oh my god how did how did I get to be the one to, yeah to be here with these guys and every day I'm you know I, I work Monday through Friday every day there's somebody there there's something like Jesse who I'll go oh my god if if I wasn't here I would never have gotten to see that moment, that epiphany that he just had, yeah. or, or him figure out that step, or or him figure out, remember the line. It's just, I I never would have gotten yeah. that gift, had this great thing not fallen into my lap. Well, the blind gentleman playing Edna Turnblatt. Natalie. He'll be playing Santa Claus. Oh, in, he is. Of course he is. <laughs> of course he is. And he will be playing, we're, don't forget we're doing Christmas Carol also on the 18th. Oh, yeah, that's a, uh, Jesse's in it, but there's no there's no big dance in it for you. Look at you you're like, oh, why wasn't I told about this? <laughs> wait, wait. wait no, it's our third it's our third year of doing this. Oh, okay. So we've already done it. We're just doing what what we've already done. So
0: does Jesse not have a big part? Wait, he what? doesn't
1: have a big part well, in it. I know, I know it's shocking. Okay. But I know it's shocking. But <laughs> Natalie Edna Turnblad plays Scrooge in this one. Oh, all right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, doesn't he have? He can tell you what song. I, uh,
1: he will say if you say tell him when your birth when you um, what the day and the year you were born he'll tell you what the number one song in the country of, uh, on that day was that's it's, amazing and then the, and then another guy Rivolina will tell you what day of the week it was it's I know impressive. I know I know and like every single day they're just awe inspiring yes and, and their ear you know I'll say what key was that and they all know they're like it was C major or it was it was D minor whatever it was they all know it's it's remarkable and I don't you know I did musical theater I've done musical theater for 40 years I don't you know you play it for me and I'll sing it right but I don't have the ear to say oh we're singing in B flat major or whatever yeah. they all have that gift
0: that's amazing yeah well you have a gift and I, thank you for sharing it
1: oh thank you for coming me? and
0: playing oh my pleasure so if you had a moment or or two, that just stands out, like the moment of Patty the singing to that. That was pretty great. What would it be like? Where you're like that is something I'll always take I away. I would say
1: that, and uh, I would say probably Drowsy Chaperone. I took three months off. I had open heart surgery. I had a valve replaced, and and and, and it was something that I knew I was going to have to do eventually. Right. Uh, and but but I'd gone for a checkup, and there was an aneurysm on the valve, and they were like, "Oh, we have to do this now." So it was pretty. You know, it was a couple of days later. I was and Casey Nicola said take whatever time you need whatever take whatever time you need you got a job waiting for you when you come back and i said i'm going to take three months and it was grueling getting back mm. to life really yeah. because you know i had been split in half for several hours yeah so i, I started i started uh, and gary bless his heart was really really he, he, him getting me off the couch and saying okay you got the show's coming up and you got to be back at work in 10 weeks or whatever it was it was so important to me. So my first night back after you know after a very near near death experience, my first back on first night back on stage was terrifying and electrifying and not, just not knowing you know Drowsy Chaperone as you know is one of the most um, athletic numbers. Oh yeah, I mean not Drowsy Chaperone, Toledo, Toledo Surprise. Toledo Surprise, yes. It's you know it's very very athletic, and I just. Didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if, yeah. you know, my body was going to explode. I didn't know. I had, you know, I had cow tissue for a for a valve. You know. Oh wow. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, I'm part cow, and I'm back on stage, <laughs> um, and I don't know what's going to happen. And it was so scary. And everybody that cast was just so amazing through that period of my life, and it was so thrilling, to conquer the terror that I had. You know, and it was different terror of being shot out of a cannon as an understudy. It was just terror of, can I do this? Can I still do this after what I just went through? And, oh my God, the, the, the feeling after that number and then the feeling after the show, uh, the feeling of accomplishment and and, and and what the last three months had been for me and, and the, you know, the depression and how hard it was and getting back to physical therapy and knowing that I had to you know, be one of two people to lift Sutton sut Foster over my head, and all of that stuff, and, yeah. and it all came to an incredibly brilliant, beautiful moment. Oh,
0: well, I'm glad your heart's well. So yes. you could be sharing yes. it with yes. with so many people. So, I'd love to play out a song at the end of this, um, like as the credits roll. What song?
1: That song would be my 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 signature song. When uh, I'll tell you a brief little story. When I was uh, when I was a farm kid. I was I I had the album of Funny Girl, the soundtrack of Funny Girl, and one day I was I had I was wearing my sister's I was in the living room putting on a show. And nobody was there. I was wearing my sister's yellow Ampere waist prom strapless prom formal. I had a suitcase in one hand, I had flowers in one hand, just like Barbara on the on the tugboat. <sighs> I was singing Don't Run On My Parade and I had a fan, a big fan blowing the skirt between my legs, just like Barbara, cause you know, she's on the, f- the yeah. front of the boat yeah. and the wind's blowing on her and I had the fan blowing on me and I didn't know that my father and the farmhands had come in for <gasps> lunch. And so they were getting entertained to Miss Dale, perhaps that's where Miss Dale was born, singing in full, I didn't have uh, a wig on, but in full regalia, Don't Rain On My Parade with Miss Barbara Streisand on the stereo. So they look at you. I've left you speechless. I Haven't love I? that. What did they say? Did they... Oh, it was the Midwest. Nobody said anything. I picked up my, you know, I picked up my, my shut the record off. Picked up my skirts and and ran upstairs. Yeah, nobody said anything. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's a great story. It is a little like. Well, that's good that they didn't say anything. Could have.
1: No. no, what could they say? I mean, it was the boss's son, so they're not going to say anything. And my father, you know, it was the Midwest in the '60s. You don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well. That is totally So so, 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 <laughs> so you can play some Don't Rain On My Parade right now. I will love it. I'm going to listen to that tonight. Thank you very much, You're so, Thank you, Brad.
2: Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Don't tell me not to fly. Simply got to. If someone takes a spill, it's me and not you. Who told you you're allowed to ring? So I guess I didn't make it, but whether I'm the rose of sheer perfection or freckle on the nose of life's complexion, the cinder or the shiny. I simply gotta march, my heart's a drummer Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade I'm gonna live and live now Get what I want, I know how One Mr. O Get ready for me, love, cause I'm a comer I simply gotta march my heart to drop my Nobody